This is Self-Care You with Scott, and on today's episode, we have a very special conversation about the four pillars of success, mindset, nutrition, motion, and lifestyle. You're thinking, that's some complex stuff, and it is, but I also have David Galloway on the pod today to help guide us through this conversation. Let me tell you a little bit about David. When I first heard about his resume, my first thought was, this guy is the modern day Chuck Norris but I was quickly corrected that he would rather Bruce Lee. All seriousness, David is a Kung Fu master who has a background in human performance and meditative conditioning. David's expertise has him working with motivated, busy people from all around the world. The goal is to help them achieve vibrant health transformations, specifically diabetes control and management. All this is done by using the four pillars of success. Today we have a conversation about our overall health and how we can live a better life. This is Self-Care You, and we're about to level up with David Galloway from Into Thrive. Thank you for sticking around for another episode of Self-Care You. Today on the podcast, we have David Galloway. I'm very interested in this topic as I'm fairly new to meditative conditioning, and we're going to educate ourselves and learn some new things just from this conversation today. So let's get into it. So today we have a great conversation with David Galloway from Into Thrive. David, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, thanks, Scott. How are you? Yeah, I'm really good. You know, David, I was wondering if you could give our listeners kind of like a business card of yourself, just a little bit of an introduction of exactly what it is that you take part in. I was born at a very young age. Um, I usually find most people that I talk to are. So you know, it gives us something in common when we first start, which is always good. A um, little bit about myself. So uh, most recently, I guess, or the last little while, um, we I used to run a fitness club in Bowmanville called Academy Martial Arts and Fitness. And, you know, with that, we taught uh, Wing Chun Kung Fu okay. and fitness kickboxing. And uh, what that allowed us to do was really provide a service for the community where people could come in put themselves, make themselves a priority and change their lives, you know, one 45 minute session at a time and really, you know, make a difference in, in how they change their outlook for the world. Wow. So you had this facility where you were teaching uh, just general mixed martial arts, Kung Fu, or what were the type of programs that you're offering? Yeah, we, we taught uh, Wing Chun Kung Fu. Um, you know, so if you, if you know of a little guy called Bruce Lee, yeah. Um, my teacher's teacher is the one who trained Bruce Lee in, in Hong Kong. So oh, you know, it, okay. very good lineage, you know, um, from that point of view. And as a result, we actually got the inside story on some of the antics that Bruce used to do. Um, and maybe we, if we get a chance, we'll talk about that later, but he was quite the character. Yeah. I imagine that having that kind of pedigree learning from someone that is one of the best, obviously makes you feel comfortable and, and really helps you express yourself when you start to progress and see that you're getting better at it. Right. I'd imagine that's the case. Absolutely. It really, it's, it's very much a cerebral martial art where it's about understanding intent and with that intent, knowing how and when to move um, to, you know, one protect yourself, but also to make sure you don't necessarily hurt people. Right. Well, I'm, I'm a boxer. I don't know if I've ever told you this. And I grew up kind of loving boxing. And we've had a conversation with Kyle Sleeman, who's a Brazilian jiu-jitsu mixed martial artist in our community and talking about, you know, how he competed in the worlds. And I imagine that the philosophy behind Kung Fu is very different than any of those genres of, of combat sport that I just mentioned, right? 
Yeah, there's a lot of similar, but there are some similarities, but it comes back to the intent. Like every, every style of martial art has a, almost like a philosophy behind it. Um, Bruce Lee was actually very big in getting away from the classical restrictions in bringing in different things. So he, you know, when he came to the States, he actually tried to bring in Taekwondo kicks because they were flashy and really good for the screen. He also brought in boxing techniques because he really liked certain aspects of that. So he tried to, he was like the original MMA type fighter bringing things in. But the uh, if you never got challenged uh, on stage or, you know, on set doing a movie, he always reverted back to the Wing Chun. So he had the core philosophy, but he was able to bring in these different tools. It's come from more of a defensive standpoint. Like I know that Kyle mentioned to me in our past episodes that Muay Thai was more of a defensive step and, and getting ready. And he was a judo guy as well. And boxing, it's punches and bunches, right? Like I'm, I'm coming in with a game plan. I imagine is Kung Fu more of a defensive uh, stance on, you know, physical interaction or? Yeah, well, now you get into the personality of the instructor. So the way that I taught was very much uh, a personal development kind of aspect to it. Right, I got you. Where, where if, um, if you can take a young child that's having confidence issues and the way that we would train is that, you know, we would never pull our punches. We were always trying to hit the individual. But when they can defend themselves successfully in a situation like that, the confidence they would develop would shine out of them. And the paradox is that once they had the confidence, they actually never had to use the material. So it was, you know, you know, it can be used aggressively, but you know, my philosophy is very much just protect yourself. Yeah. That's the same thing. You know what I'll share with you, uh, Kyle's story. He, he told everyone that he felt that there are more people that are in danger every single day going grocery shopping and learning how to defend themselves than there are that, you know, have the threat of drowning in water or whatever it may be. So he said that from a very young age, he was always taught a defensive stance as his father was a, a mixed martial artist as well. But at the same time, he said that his confidence built, he stood taller. He felt that he didn't have any of those interactions because he was confident in his ability and the way he presented himself. So I imagine that's roughly what you're saying, right? Very much so. It was, you know, I used to teach the, the philosophy of predator prey. If you have the characteristics of prey, then you're almost, you know, I won't say you're inviting predators, but, you know, predators are looking for ones that are easy targets. So they're for the looking for prey. But if you stand on your hind legs, look up straight, you know, look them in the eye like a predator. And that's comes from the confidence. A predator is not going to take on another predator. So you end up avoiding the situation altogether. Listen, we could go all day talking about that, but I'm really interested in Into Thrive. And I know we had Karen on here recently. We recently spoke about Into Thrive, but I'm really hoping that we can get in-depth to the four pillars of success. Perfect. So um, as I said, we start with the martial arts or the, you know, the fitness club. And, you know, we found that the fitness component was good, but it didn't complete the whole health picture. There was always something missing. And one of the things I looked into was nutrition. So I became an orthomolecular nutritionist to build in that component. So now we'd have the physical, the motion, the physical fitness build in the you know, nutrition, but we found that still didn't seem to complete the picture. Right. Uh, people, you know, very much would have this sort of transaction uh, kind of mentality where they weren't feeling well, they would, you know, start eating healthy or start doing healthy habits until they felt good and then go back to what they were doing before that made them unhealthy. So the concept of the into thrive is to really help people break that cycle and take, become healthy, you know, healthy by intent is, you know, one of our taglines. And we really want people to use the mindset. How do you think about yourself? Do you think of yourself as healthy? Do you think of yourself as, 
you know, my, you know, my parents always were, were you know, heavy set. I mean, their parents were heavy set, so therefore it's natural for me to be heavy set. Is that the kind of thinking you have? Um, nutrition, obviously, we bring in that to help people, you know, figure out how to move forward. The motion, which is the physical fitness, and then lifestyle. How do you interact in real life without offending everybody? Because everybody out there isn't necessarily health focused. I'm really interested in the four pillars are amazing in the sense that you kind of get a path line on how to be successful, right? I was hoping we could kind of just take a second with each pillar and I don't want to give too much away, obviously, because I know that this is your profession, but I really want to make sure that we can kind of highlight them so that a listener might be like, wow, I really like that program. I think that it would be successful. I need to get into their services. So mindset, you know, we're talking about just being on the same page or are we talking about being motivated for what your goal is? How does that work out? Mindset is probably uh, the most impactful out of all of them. How you think is how you act. Uh, in martial arts and in Kung Fu, we had a saying that where the head goes, the body follows. Right. Very much true. You know, professional athletes, they do a lot of mindset work. They visualize the goal. They rehearse it in their mind. They go through the whole uh, series of events, seeing themselves be successful. So the brain and the subconscious primarily figures out how to make that happen without them having to take an active role in it. So, you know, some people, if they go under the diet program, when they start the program subconsciously, these little rules that have been installed by other people, their parents, society, marketing, they're going to try to detract them from success. So one right. of the things we do with the, with the mindset is we figure out what are these rules that are no longer serving value and we give them a new task that will align with the goal that you have in mind. And I imagine obviously the second step being the nutritional part is obviously making sure that you're putting good things into your body so that your, your mind can make great decisions and be nutrition correctly. So that, you know, should you have the urge to get away from your, your goal or your plan, you have all the, the right fuel, I guess, to make the right decision. Does that sound about right? Yeah, very much. The, the, the body's made up of cells and the cells require nutrients to do what they're supposed to do. Today's diet or the, the food available has really been weaponized against us. And it's very nutritionally, like it's not nutritionally dense. So the orthomolecular uh, nutrition states that every disease disorder dysfunction can be traced to specific nutritional deficiencies. Right. So your body knows if it's missing magnesium, it knows I need to get something. And that usually shows up as a craving for something. But hmm. with the you know big food, weaponizing food against us, they understand this biological process. So they put chemicals into the food that when your body goes, I need this, the dopamine hit you get from eating something that's not very good for you overrides your ability to figure out what you do need. So you end up going to the potato chips or you know the pop or whatever it is. The nutrition that we teach is how to break that cycle and give your body those foundational building blocks to be successful. And then obviously we get into motion, which is moving, exercising, getting the blood flowing. And I imagine that's pretty self-explanatory in the sense that we're going to be trying to exercise, right? Yeah, we, we looked at exercise and we found, you know, when you're talking to people, everyone comes in from a different position in their life. And when you say, you know, if I say you're going to start an exercise program, it conjures up different things for different people. So we found that in a lot of cases, people were very resistant to, oh, I got to go exercise. I got to go lift weights. I got to do these things. So it was very, it just added a layer of resistance. So by changing it to motion, and we actually have a motion coach that works with people, it's about getting your body moving in ways that are enjoyable for you. 
Because if it's something you enjoy doing, you're more likely to continue doing it and reap those benefits. Right. So we have mind, nutrition, motion, which all sums up to our lifestyle. And I imagine for me, when I read that, that's about making sure that I'm continuously making the right choices because I've done all the legwork. You know, I've gone through these steps to really have the mindset to want to do it, really prove to myself that nutrition is good, get myself moving, doing something that I really enjoy. And now I have developed what is a lifestyle, I imagine, right? Yeah, the lifestyle piece for us is the, almost it's the last part that can out of the four pillars. And it talks about, you know, if you if you go grocery shopping and you're hungry, you're more likely to make poor choices. And right. there's a thing called, you know, decision fatigue. And that's why all the poor choice type things are usually at the other end of the grocery store. You go through the vegetables, by the time you get down to the ice cream, you've already been making all these decisions. If you're hungry, you're susceptible, you're going to buy the things you're not supposed to. So that's kind of one aspect of the lifestyle is how do you survive in real life, maintaining healthy habits when most people around you aren't? How do you go to a birthday party and not offend the host because you're not going to eat the cake? Or if you do eat the cake, how do you not beat yourself up over it because you had this little piece of cake? Yeah, because you had a little bit of a relapse, right? But it all comes down to, I remember speaking to Karen about accountability. And I think one of the greatest things that she mentioned was that you guys are willing to take those phone calls to talk someone off the, you know, for lack of a better term, off the ledge, right? And let them know that, you know, this is the best way for you to think about if you happen to go to that party and you don't want to offend somebody, maybe you can do this, or maybe you can bring your own dish that provides you, you know, a little bit of nutrition or something along those lines. And I was fascinated by that idea. Yeah, the, the accountability is what we use to wrap the whole program together to to make it uh, successful. Because you know, you know, you know, it's for some people it's difficult to hold themselves accountable because these little rules, like I talked about before, these little subroutines on your hard drive are trying to derail you based on past programming. So, if you can have someone else help you stay accountable it's going to make it a little bit easier. So um, if you do reach out for that piece of cake, we teach that, you know, it's okay. You, you haven't fallen off the wagon. You're still on the path. You've just reached off the path, but you brought it back to the path, enjoyed it. By that time, usually your body will let you know it may not have been the best choice, but right, yeah. you're going to learn as you go. Um, but that accountability piece, we, you know, we do touch points, you know, with all three coaches uh, weekly in the beginning to really establish those habits and make sure if they do have these poor choices or they're running it around and trying to think, okay, I need something to eat. What do I do? They can send us a text and we can give them choices based on where they are and what their situation is. I think it's amazing because, you know, the stigma is that I got to go get a nutritionist and then I got to go get a trainer and I got to, you know, I'm accountable to them. Yes. But do they really care? It obviously sounds in your philosophy and your mission. This is, you know, about accountability and helping people rather than just the dollars and cents. And I can truly feel that in your message. So I told Karen, I think this is amazing. I struggle with my weight and it's something that I've definitely been paying attention to. And I will probably be using your services. It's more than losing weight, right? It's about the longevity. It's about your mind, body, and soul, and really being committed to when you're 50, you want to make sure that you don't come across diabetes and things of that nature. David, I'm really excited and interested to hear about your experience in meditative conditioning. You know, I'm not too involved in it. You know, I guess I'm the best way to say it is I'm green to it, but 
self-care you is built about being positive and making sure that we have a positive mindset so that we don't let negative things into our bodies. But, you know, I'm really interested to hear about your meditative conditioning and what that kind of entails. The meditative conditioning, originally the, the whole mindset piece really came about from the, the Kung Fu training. And then when I was younger, actually, I was a competitive swimmer, um, all the way up to national level university you know, team and stuff. But so the mindset was always important. And when I came across the meditative conditioning, it, it was really a tool that allows us to work with the person's subconscious to align the subconscious with where we want to go. So the philosophy is, is that the subconscious, and I usually can look at it as a, as like a hard drive. It's the hard drive that's right. running behind the scenes. So if you're driving a car or if you're doing something and you're not thinking about the actual task, your mind wanders. Essentially that's what we're, we're, we're causing to happen. So we can work with those little subroutines to help you be successful. And is it something as simple as just helping you remain motivated on a task or a general lifestyle, or are you just trying to figure out how to be, have a better mindset and understand things differently? Like, you know, paradigm shifts are built so that you think one way and it forces you to present the information or take the information in another way and try and understand it from a different point of view kind of thing. I'm interested, really interested as to what exactly you're getting down to. Are you telling somebody that, you know, we're really going to try and help you get to the end goal. Yeah, it, it's it, it's very versatile. Um, when we start working with a client, one of the things that we, we do is we establish what is their definition of success. Um, different people at different points in their life will have different definitions of success. So if their definition is to be you know, um, a professional athlete, depending on how they position that in their mind, they'll wake up every morning being unsuccessful. And that could actually build and build and prevent them achieving the goal. So we look at it to how do you define success so that you achieve success more often and allow that to build. Now, our overall philosophy is that with the vibration that we have, if your health is poor, you're going to vibrate at a very, very low frequency. Success itself is something that's attractive. It's not something you achieve. So you need to be vibrating healthy in order to attract that success to accomplish your definition of success, whatever that happens to be. My wife is very into kind of this. She's a Reiki practitioner, are very intrigued into the information of energy transfer and making sure that, that you're conveying the right message. Very much of what you're saying. She also believes in laws of attraction and believes in speaking out your goals and affirmations and making sure that people understand what it is that you're going for or what you're trying to get to. Because when you do that, you know, you promote positivity and, and you feel confident about yourself and you give yourself a little bit of motivation to get to whatever that goal is. Is that kind of along the right lines or am I totally off base? No, that's definitely a component of it. The, the vibration that you put out there. So thoughts have energy and your dominant thought pattern has a certain vibration that goes out into the universe. And then therefore that's the energy you end up attracting. So for example, let's say as a child, you're told that money is evil or money doesn't grow on trees. You know, my parents told me money doesn't grow on trees. You can't get the new bike. So if people have that little subroutine running in the background, the vibration associated with that will actually inhibit them being successful from a financial point of view as they go through life. And they won't understand why until someone points out this is actually holding you back. So if we can change that program, change the vibration associated with it, you can now att attract that success that you're looking for. 
wow, that's pretty amazing. I am a sports guy. And it was always kind of like the motivation of just, you know, let's go get it. Let's work hard. Let's make sure that we come prepared and let's control the energy in the gym. I coach at a high level in this community. And I always try and tell the boys, you know, if we come into the gym with an energy, people are going to feel it and they're going to present their energy differently. They're going to understand on a competitive level that, you know, we are coming with such confidence that we're, you know, we're ready to get going. But I imagine that it ultimately comes down to what you're saying, which is making sure that you're thinking that way, the mindset and making sure that you understand that this is the goal at hand. But I really wanted to take the opportunity to ask you this question, because my wife always tells me when she has her uh, patrons in that, you know, she can feel heat over certain extremities that might, you know, be releasing energy. And and sometimes they have these meditative thoughts while they go through the sessions where, you know, they might see things. Is is that kind of normal? Or is it just an occurrence that happens one off with an individual? I think it happens very frequently from the the Kung Fu training, you know, the concept of chi or the Japanese call it ki, kai. Um, with the chi, there's meridians around the body. And when you're using Reiki, you're, you're feeling in, in the Eastern philosophy, you're using it to define these disruptions. And once you release that energy, again, energy has a vibration. It can manifest within the person in different ways from visions to feelings. Some people have a certain smell or it'll trigger a memory of something they haven't thought of in a long time. It's pretty amazing stuff. I always believe my wife, obviously, but hearing it from somebody else, you know, really puts it into perspective because we have these conversations all the time, but you never really experience them. I have people come to my house all the time because they love the treatment that they get from my wife, right? And they love the energy exchange. I know that you and I briefly talked about kind of the work that you've done that impacts across the globe. And I'm wondering, you know, would you be willing to kind of share a success story that you might've had in, in your experiences over time? Sure. So with, with COVID, we really kind of retooled how we want to deliver this, this package for people. And because there's so much need for it right now. And as I said before, people, we had different components of it. By putting it all together in the four pillars and wrapping it together with the accountability, we found that we can really make a difference in people's lives depending on and, and really where their definition of success is. We work with a lot of diabetics because we found that that's actually a very growing field, unfortunately. It's almost becoming normalized where people are, you know, well, you know, everyone else has got on diabetes meds. This just that's normal. So I'm fitting into this new normal. Where if you don't, you're not a diabetic or you're not on medication, you're actually considered almost abnormal. It's just you're the outlier now. Right. So as we focus on the diabetics, the program that we have is really good because it helps change their philosophy and thinking about what is a diabetic and how do you deal with that specific disorder. The successes we're having is everyone we've worked with so far, everybody ends up losing weight. And I always tell people that, you know, if the weight management or weight loss is part of their, their success criteria, we're going to rephrase it to weight management because psychologically, if you lose something subconsciously, your brain is trying to find it. So therefore we want to change that mindset piece. So again, everybody we work with has lost weight. Some have lost significant. Uh, We have one gentleman that's lost over 60 some odd pounds in about six months or so. So very rapid, but still within that healthy um, range. Um, we've had uh, a number of our diabetics have actually uh, brought their average glucose levels down to levels they haven't seen in years in wow. a very short period of time. One individual is actually off one of his meds already. That's it, right? 
that's the end goal, I guess. If you're in that situation where you're taking medications whether to deal with your condition, the goal is to get off them, right? And 100%. So that's obviously proven in the process. Now, generally in your process, do you see that people stop at a certain stage first or, or do you see common trend where people always get stuck at, say, nutrition or they might get stuck at the motion part? Do you have that kind of number where you think, this is where we can generalize that you're most likely going to stop so we can be prepared to make sure that you don't, or is it all over the board? Every individual comes from a different background. So their, their needs are also very specific to them. What we found is that the, the nutritional piece with Karen being the you know culinary nutrition expert, what we do is once we do the nutritional assessment, we identify where those specific nutrient deficiencies are and then we tailor a meal plan to help them through and reverse that particular damage. And then if necessary, we make recommendations on supplementation as well. So for some people making dietary changes so far has been really the most difficult for people because, you know, well, how come I can't have my McDonald's? I'm only doing it once a week. How come I can't have my pop or how come I can't have it? You know, those mindset pieces that, you know, it's normal to do these things. They don't realize that those activities are actually causing the disease. So once we change that and they start to see the difference, it takes about three weeks for them to really feel the difference. But once they feel the difference, it all changes for them. They go, oh, my God, I, I didn't realize how bad I felt until I started feeling good. And it can happen as quick as three weeks. In our society, the sugar is a drug, right? Like it's one of those things that just brings you back to wanting to get it in any form that you can get it in, right? Like it's your cravings. You hear people all the time and they say, well, you know, I'm starting my diet out and I'm, I'm off sugar and I get headaches. You know, those are the things that are preventing you from powering through. But I'm sure if they went through your process and they had support, they'd understand that once you get through that process in three weeks, you're going to start feeling way better, right? Yeah. Well, the sugar is a very addictive substance. It's actually more addictive than heroin. And I actually just read a study a couple of days ago where when they give an individual heroin and they monitor the brain activity, sugar lights up more of the addiction centers within the brain than the heroin does. So it is very difficult for people to get off that. Oh my Um, God. So when we do, we, we identify sugar as being an issue, we actually have to do a, a specific sugar detox to start the whole process. And we manage them through this five-day program. And it's kind of like a mini program to kind of get into the program. And you, depending on their sugar intake, the day three is where they really feel that withdrawal. But by day four, they're already starting to feel better. It's crazy because we're not having these conversations. You know what I mean? As in myself and my colleagues or just general people aren't having these conversations about your health, but it's so important. It's crazy to think that we consume so much of sugar, yet we know that it's going to do something bad to us, but we're okay with it. It's marketed to a point where we just consume it because we think it's healthy, but it's not healthy. We don't read the tag on the back to understand that it's full of sugar. And I think we have so many people that are addicted to it that it's just difficult to get away from it, right? It is. And the way you know, we look at it is the sugar is one kind of, um, it, it's a symptom. It's not really the, 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 the whole issue. It's really the quality of the food. So if you're eating yeah. food that's low, high in calorie, but low in nutrition, you facilitate these types of things. If you eat food that's high in nutrition and low in calorie, it changes the whole game. It really, your body knows how to use it. 
I read a study again, actually just this morning, where they talked about these artificial sweeteners. And people are thinking, well, it's artificial sweetener. It's good. I can use that instead. Aspartame um, actually converts in your gut into for, uh, formaldehyde. Okay. So it's really not good for you that way. Some of the other artificial sweetness trigger in your brain, they go, oh, there's sweetness here. So the brain actually changes what's going on because it's expecting this high volume of calories from this sweetness. So once you get the calories, it then signals, okay, we're good. We've got what we filled, sends a signal to your gut to say, okay, we're done, no more. But because these sweetness, they have that sweetness hit, but there's no calories the brain doesn't send that signal. So therefore you continue to eat because you don't get the signal to stop. Wow. That's some interesting stuff. It's crazy how we just have a whole computer that is, is trying to help our body move in the right direction. Yet we still just keep abusing it. Right. We talk to people, you know, I tell them, you know, first off, Mo, it's, it's probably not really your fault that you're in the situation you are because everything around you has been programming you to believe certain things that have led you to where you are now. So if big food is weaponizing this food against you and you're not, you're not aware of it, you can't defend against it. But yeah. awareness is part of the education and part of our program. We show you this is, you know, here's the supporting information. Here's the details that prove they're weaponizing this against you. So, it's not that you really want those Doritos. It's they've chemically uh, done something to cause you to want those Doritos. Right. Well, David, I think the work that you guys are doing at Into Thrive is amazing. I think this is groundbreaking. There's a lot of people that need kind of this guidance to really help them so they can get their life back on track. Because, yeah, sometimes you are a product of your environment. And you may just maybe don't know better and you don't know what's coming next or what to look for. Maybe you haven't really had a nutritional diet you know, you're not understanding exactly what's good, what's bad. But I'm wondering if you were face to face with a person struggling and their for their health and their nutrition, what would you tell them to keep them motivated, keep them on the task at hand? You get to set your destination. So, you know, if you're driving, there's you use a GPS. A GPS is really one of the models we use to help people. And the two things it has to know is where are you now? And where do you want to go? And that's what you have to, you don't have any control over where you are now because you've got where you are because of everything else that's happened. You are here where you are. But if you can change that GPS set point, we'll help you. We'll fill in the steps to help you get to that destination. But you want to make sure you know what that destination is and we'll guide you to help you figure that out as well. Right. Well, David, listen, I appreciate your time. I think this is some really interesting stuff that a lot of people and our listeners need to start hearing so that they can use your services so they can get to a better, healthy lifestyle. And I'm just wondering, you know, we're about trying to help one person out here. So maybe you could give them their, your information on how they can get in touch with you. And maybe we could put that one person in contact with you so that they can do better in their life. That'd be great. One person at a time, we can change the world. Um, so. Best way to get in touch with me is uh, David at intothrive.com. Awesome. David, listen, I appreciate your time. Thanks for all the great work. And if I got anyone coming my way, I'll make sure I push them your way. I very much appreciate it. Uh, thanks for the opportunity to share. No problem. Thank you. Well, another amazing show. And we definitely learned something today from David Galloway from Into Thrive. His perspective on mindset conditioning is intriguing. I found that I was learning things as we had our conversation and things that I have never been exposed to ways to think differently. But I was really interested in his definition and his explanation of sugar. Take a listen to what David had to say. 
Yeah, well, the sugar is a very addictive substance. It's actually more addictive than heroin. And I actually just read a study a couple of days ago where when they give an individual heroin and they monitor the brain activity, sugar lights up more of the addiction centers within the brain than the heroin does. So it is very difficult for people to get off that. When you hear that for the first time, it is definitely a wow moment. And just understanding how much you do to abuse your body. You know, the group over at Into Thrive really have taken a conscious effort at making sure that they are living a healthy lifestyle. And if you feel that that's something that you are looking for, you need to reach out to Karen and David for sure. Also remember, if you happen to know somebody that's doing some great work in our community, make sure to reach out to us at selfcareupodcast at gmail.com or at selfcareu underscore level up on Instagram. This is Self Care You, and we definitely leveled up today with David Galloway and Into Thrive. (laughs) 